is it going, Panther Nation? Welcome to episode five of the Pause Up podcast. First thing, have a very Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays to everyone who's watching, whether it's FIU Faithful or someone just joining in on our Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube channels. It, welcome Again, welcome to episode five. We got Eric Henry in the house. The man, the myth, the underdog dynasty legend is joining us to talk a bit of FIU football. How you doing, Eric? First off, Jake, uh, Jake both, both of you guys, Jake and Kevin, happy holidays. Appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, I don't know that I'm worthy of that introduction, but I will take it. The check is in the mail. Um, really honored to be on the podcast and the show. And I, I know that may sound sarcastic, but um, anyone who, you know, I mean, I've talked to both you guys at games. Uh, a big thing for me is I, I really like to see FIU grads really involved in mm -hmm. FIU sports. As someone who was a non-FIU grad, you know, I obviously can can take it from a certain perspective, but I don't have the same perspective as Jake, you and FIU grad, and Kevin, you assume to be FIU students. So really a fan of what you guys are doing. Need more of it. This is like the future of the FIU fan base. Uh, I'm sure I'm, you know, I'm reciting Scott Carr's talking points, but there you go. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's what we're here for, just to talk all things FIU, no matter what time of the year it is, especially right now, you know, quite a bit of time after the football season has ended here we are with some brand new stuff to talk about and who better to bring it on than mr henry so correct me if i missed something eric henry but you're both an editor and a podcast host for underdog dynasty covering both fiu as well as conference usa that is correct yeah so my uh, official title is, is the uh, managing editor of underdog dynasty so all of the things that the public doesn't see, uh, you know, myself and my other fellow managing editor, Joe Londrigan, take care of. Uh, so we, you know, run the day-to-day -day operations of the site, uh, the moderation of the comments, which is a huge part of any mm -hmm. online entity nowadays. <laughs> uh, we take care of that. Of course, editing stories that comes in. Love our team. Great job. Our guy. Shout out to Steve Helwick, who's on site right now. If you're watching a bowl game on ESPN, the Armed Forces mm -hmm. Force Bowl, Steve Helwick is on site for us right now. So shout out to him. Um, but yeah. Do that, and then in addition to that, of course, host the Conference USA podcast and manage to provide uh, what I hope is is sufficient coverage of the FIU football program. Oh, yeah. A any coverage this FIU football program gets, I know Mike McIntyre and Scott Carr just licking their chops being, all right, this is what we sign up for. The more the merrier, and that's, that's what we're going to be talking about quite a bit today. So before we get to the, um, the signing class, that was that uh, – Mike McIntyre recently held a press conference about. Before we get to that, let uh, I just want to hear your thoughts, your overall season analysis on FIU football. Just from what we saw this year, uh, there there were some good moments and there were also plenty of bad. So, just what would be your overall assessment of the team after this season, put into a grade form? So, from F to A, how would you grade FIU football? B. And I, I know that may be high for some people, but let's just call a spade a spade. I can't reiterate this enough, uh, especially during the season after the – well, uh, let, let's chop it up in quarters. So mm -hmm. I think the Long Island – Long Island, sorry, that's 2021. The Bryant victory, um, I, I think that – I don't want to say it reset the expectations for FIU fans, but I think it kind of level set a little bit. For any fans who came in and thought, okay, this is an FCS team, we should go in and roll over them, yada, 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 who weren't familiar, that level set that, hey, this truly is a rebuild. Uh, we can talk about the fact that Jake, as you know, uh, Kevin, I'm sure you probably know as well, this team had 50-something players on the roster at the end of last season and really had to fight to get enough players on the roster to hold a sufficient spring practice. I mean, that was the start. 
Of course, following that, they had to, you know, add players to the roster and try to figure out who the quarterback was going to be, who some of the standout, you know, um, players as far as the offensive line were going to be an entire new defense. So you carry that into Bryant. That was a level set. I think the shock was Texas State and Western Kentucky. Right. Yeah. That was the, the shock and awe of, oh, my gosh, are we are we this bad? You know, this is the worst it's ever been. So on and so forth. Like I, I can't attest to before my five years covering FIU, but I think that was kind of the, the shock and awe. Then you come back and you get the wins over New Mexico State and Charlotte. And I think at that point in time, FIU fans kind of had somewhat of a realistic idea of what this team may be. But with that being said, four and eight. Mm-hmm. It is what I predicted. I, I didn't. I, I got the the Bryant. The I got Bryant, New Mexico State. And I think those are the only two wins that I that I called before the year that I actually got right. Um, I did not have them winning Charlotte. Uh, I actually had them beating Middle Tennessee State. That obviously didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but you take a look at what's been identified, guys. For me, a big thing was quarterback. Yeah, you had a three-star recruit in Grayson James. You had a three-star recruit in Hayden Carlson. Grayson now was in his second year. He doesn't win the job outside of, out of camp. So then you're now wondering, okay, is he truly as good as his you know perspective was coming into FIU? You have Hayden Carlson, who Jake, as you know, mm-hmm. former head coach Butch Davis said, kind of reminded me of that kid from Kansas City talking about Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes kind of got everyone's hopes up a little bit. Like, all right, we need to see that. Um, he doesn't win the job. He's a third string quarterback. At least now, Grayson has 10 starts under his belt. You've seen some flashes. You saw Hayden against FBS competition. Certainly wasn't the greatest game with the four picks, but he showed plenty of uh, potential pushing the ball downfield in the four touchdowns and the elusiveness that Butch Davis talked about. So that's one. Number two, that offensive line did get experience. Out Mm -hmm. of the, you know, the entire offensive line for the most part outside of Lindell Hudson, we're going to be first-time starters at the FBS level. You lose... um, uh, Renard Burnett, uh, Ray Burnett, midway through the year, you know, you lose some guys uh, who, who choose to depart the program. You've at least now identified John Bach seems to be a promising player. Mm-hmm. Jacob Peace, a big boy there at guard, seems to be a promising player. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, Shamar Habdi Lee is another player at left tackle. At least identified some pieces that you think should be better. You go to the defensive side of the ball. Donovan Manuel, he comes up from the, the FCS level. He's identified as a stud. Demetrius Hill. Looks to be the second coming, potentially, of Jonathan Cyprian. You've identified some guys now that you say, okay, we had just this lump of clay that we didn't really know what we were molding into. Now, despite the fact that you lose Rivaldo Fairweather, Andrew Bolmar, Gaethan Bernadelle, you still look at the roster and say, okay, we've had young guys that were part of the past two recruiting classes, the past two or three recruiting classes, who are stepping in and playing football, playing valuable minutes. I mean, he's a guy like uh, Keegan Davis as an example. Uh, when Keegan came on the scene, you know, he was a, a hybrid DN tight end. All of a sudden you see him this time, you know, b- before um, the season starts and he's bulked up to 265, 270. You say, okay, like, th- did he have the most flashy or standout plays this year? No, but the starting experience, it's learning on the job. It's on the job training. So in my mind, you take what you have from last year. And I know we'll talk about the recruiting class a bit. You bring in that recruiting class and then you say, okay, 2023, let's go play ball. Yeah, and it doesn't look that bad, and that's something that Jake and I were talking about. That you know, yes, you lost these guys that you mentioned, Eric, and there were some; those were some pretty big names, you know, from what we saw what they did in 2022. Chambers, Bernadelle, Rivaldo, especially in that game against Middle Tennessee, we saw the LA Tech game as well. But it doesn't look that bad, and some of these guys in the recruiting class definitely are going to be huge in terms of 
what they'll do in 2023. Mm -hmm. And then I'll just let Jake with the next question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about Mike McIntyre. Uh, Eric, yeah. you've had the pleasure of speaking with Mike more than pretty much any other person I've ever seen with all of the amount of questions you give him uh, post game in the press conference. Um, you, you had also mentioned Butch Davis and sort of his football philosophy during his time at FIU. Uh, how would you say Mike differs from what you saw with Butch in both a positive and a negative way? If I were to say one positive thing, this might not be the answer that people are thinking. Um, of course, Mike McIntyre is an incredibly positive guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Butch Davis, not to say that Butch wasn't positive, but I think the frustration was very palpable towards yeah. the end of his tenure in which there wasn't much to really be positive about. Mm -hmm. And you saw the way that Mike McIntyre handled, especially like guys, I'll give you an example, the 73-0 loss. Mm -hmm. I'm expecting maybe I just was, you know, scoured by my tenure covering Butch Davis. I was expecting a coach who's going to be, you know, ticked off and, and not want to talk. Mike McIntyre walks out and makes eye contact with me, gives a little wink and says, hey, I'll be there in a minute. That in itself, the way he handled that, you know, is, is, yeah. is this is positive demeanor. But what I was going to say in terms of a positive is his approach to the transfer portal, his approach to the new age, the new things of college football, that's a positive. If there's one critique, and this might not earn me any brownie points with FIU fans, <laughs> for all of the FIU fans who thought that Butch Davis just, the game had passed him by and he forgot how to coach and I don't, I don't believe any of that. And, mm -hmm. I, you know, to be transparent, I've had conversations, you know, Butch and I keep casual relationship, you know, the text here or there. We've had a couple conversations. The game, in, in terms of his knowledge and coaching ability, didn't pass him by. But I would say this to Coach Davis. I would say this to anyone from that staff. The biggest critique I would level of Butch Davis is not adapting with some of the changing factors of college football like the transfer mm -hmm. portal understanding that players are going to get recruited from your roster that we saw in 2020 and 2021 and go on to different programs that's just something you have to face understanding that nil is a factor we just saw utsa head coach jeff trailer just talk about it this year especially as a group of five coach you have to have a philosophy and what i mean by that i'll try to you know get to the negative i don't want to belabor the point too much but mike mcintyre said hey we got to anticipate we're going to lose X amount of guys at exposition each year, whether that's graduation, transfer, whatever. And he's recruiting in, in a, in a way that's like, okay, we have these guys from year to year. We're anticipating this roster management and viewing it in the NFL type of manner, which is you got to reshape your roster every year. Butch Davis was slow to adapt on that. And that may be a byproduct of someone who had his first, first head coaching tenure in college in 1994. The negative, I would say, of Mike McIntyre, that's that's tough. Um, I would say, I would say, this, if uh, from this year, the the one negative that I think I would I would hone on, it, it, believe it or not, the decision to start Gunnar Holmberg and maybe the decision to play some of the guys who he brought in. I'll use Dorian Hall as an example, right? Because you know Gunnar only really got the half you know a little bit into the third quarter before he got knocked out yeah dorian hall was someone who yes he was coming off of epilepsy and we all know dorian's story um it was him battling epilepsy and you know having to miss all of spring and then he was back for fall but we saw that dorian hall could be a playmaker when he was out there and we saw dorian hall was a playmaker for the better part of 2018 and 2019 when he was rated 
as one of the top defensive backs in all of Conference USA. I found it curious that he did not earn a starting job out of camp. And, and I'm not necessarily pinning that all on Mike McIntyre. You know, again, the circumstances that I said could have played a factor. But once Dorian got his playing time and got his legs, he was seemed to be the same old Dorian who, who, who we got to know and love. So maybe in that sense, you know, I mean, we could look at, okay, I'll give you another one. Maybe one that's more pertinent to FIU fans. And I, maybe I should use this one as opposed to Dorian. I think it's a fair critique the way Rivaldo Fairweather was used this year, or maybe not used. Yeah. I don't have Rivaldo's numbers off the top of me. I'm sure you guys can look that up. But I would venture to say, if you go to sports reference, cultural reference, and look at the game logs, 75% of Rivaldo's catches came in two games. Now, last time I checked, they played 12 games in, in FBS football in a season. And it had to be at least 75% of his receptions came at the Middle Tennessee State game. He got it from the jump. And then, of course, the Louisiana Tech game, not even until the fourth quarter. It was that one series at the end. And, then, of course, into overtime that he that he produced. And if you look at David Yost's offense, it's an 11-personal offense. It's one, one tight end, uh, one running back, right? That's the, the one back. That, that's the nature of the offense. You saw the last game against Middle Tennessee, and I'll wrap up the answer on this to give you guys some, some room to opine here. When Nate Jefferson appeared to leave the program, which of course, you know, Nate, it could go on to, to better things, could go on to different things and just want to pursue an academic career. That's fine. Tyrese Chambers chose to, to leave the program um, or to, to, to lose it, to miss that last game. Mike McIntyre said injury. Yeah. I didn't see the injury, just to be transparent. Yeah. Um, no. You saw they had, they had to go more to tight ends. Right. That's what happened. They had to rely more on Rivaldo Fairweather and Josiah Miaman. Mm -hmm. From what you know of coaching in a college offense, you don't just install two tight end personnel in a week and say, hey, we're going to run it. You have to assume that they have been running some of this two tight end personnel and just were kind of forced out of necessity to utilize that a little bit more in the Middle Tennessee State game. I would have liked to have seen Rivaldo be utilized more as we saw specifically in that game out yeah. in the slot. As a tight end, I think that could have benefit, especially as a big body in those red zone situations, which FIU struggled a lot this year. I think yep. that could have been utilized. So I, I, I was a little bit long winded there, but that mm -hmm. I think that would focus on that as far as the criticism. Yeah, to add on to what you said about Rivaldo Feather, because I agree, he's one of the most mysterious aspects of what went wrong with this FIU offense. His stats for this season: uh, twenty eight catches. 426 yards and only three touchdowns. All of those touchdowns, by the way, came yeah. exclusively against Middle Tennessee yeah. in that uh, 33 to 28 loss. And now, well, Rivaldo has found himself what he assumes to be a better home with, I believe, Auburn. And yeah. um, it's crazy. A, a football team based in Miami is under underutilizing their their tight end. It sounds a little familiar. <laughs> I, I don't know. I couldn't put my finger on it, but. It, it, it definitely interesting, and and I agree. Um, I, I love the positivity that I got to see from Mike. I, I I couldn't imagine putting myself in his shoes, being a head coach, having seventy three points dropped on your team, and having a and having a smile through it all. I I couldn't I couldn't imagine doing that. But Mike found a way, and I I I I'm not in the locker rooms, of course, but I can guarantee that goes a long way with the players. That even through the lowest points of this season, there were quite a few lows. That I'm that. He was motivated to win, and they won four games, which is way more than what a lot of people would have thought this team would do this this season. Basically, yeah, everyone, right? I'll just add on, add on to this just really quickly, um, Jake. To your point about the positivity, I know Mac got a little bit of crap at the midseason, you know, specifically after the UTSA game when 
quite frankly, you know, I, I tweeted something out talking about, you know, a lighthearted moment. And Kevin, I think you were part of that presser um, when Mike McIntyre made the joke about, you know, Walter V and myself not dressing up as the Miami Vice characters. Um, and my point was, you know, what are you expecting to do after a loss? Come in here to start throwing chairs and cry? Like, because if, if that's the, the expectation of your coach, five, six games into a rebuild, that was just a little bit surprising. I just want to add on to your point. It, mm-hmm. It's that positive nature. And it's not that he's not willing to get into his guys. We saw that in, in, in fall when he, the second fall practice, he stopped it midway through and said, hey, if you guys want to be one and 11 again, we can practice like this or else pick it up. But expecting, you know, coaches come out there and just be ranting and raving, I thought was unfair. So I'll just add that to the point. Sorry to, uh, mm-hmm. to cut you off, Kevin. No, and I, I do believe that was my first game covering FIU football. And I want to mention very quickly because this kind of, we're going to the next question, a little bit about Grayson James. You mentioned that he came in kind of midway through the season. He was never really named the starter, I guess, until maybe before the FAU game or around that time. I believe it was, Eric. Uh, you were there when um, Mike, McDa- Mike, ooh, Mike McIntyre, um, <laughs> you knew who I was about to say there. Mike McIntyre named um, Grayson the starter, but he was all right. I mean, he was pretty good. He kept the team in games at times. Just really never got it going in some games. You know, we could look at the UNT game, really never got it going there. Yeah. Um, Middle Tennessee, he was out. We saw that. So, uh, But he almost passed for 2,000 yards, had 11 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 31.1 QBR. Um, would you say that Grayson James has done enough to earn himself a starting job in 2023 for the FIU Panthers? And looking now, I mean, they just brought in a new quarterback in the signing class, and we'll mention him, Keon Johnson, who was maybe – they flipped him from Auburn, so – that was a, probably one of their bigger signings there. You have um, Hayden Carlson. You have Armani, I want to say Brooks. And then I believe Gunnar Holmberg retired. So, um, Eric, did Grayson James do enough to maybe have a, a more of a possibility to be the starter over these other guys in 2023? Two-part answer. Did he do enough? Yes. Will he be anointed the starter entering the year? No. That's just – if you look at the way that – Mike McIntyre is choosing to do things. I do truly believe, <clears throat> excuse me, I do truly believe that uh, there are going to be a lot of open competitions. And I think quarterback will, will be one of those. You can put whatever stock you want to into Hayden Carlson's last performance. In my mind, as I said, when I opened the show, it, is it enough to unseat Grayson? No, but it's enough to say, all right, this three-star kid does look to at least look like he can compete on this level. That's more than you knew for the past three years of Hayden Carlson's career. You talk about Amari Jones, of course. Jones. Uh, you know, Amari comes in and and, and he it doesn't get any action. That's expected out of a freshman quarterback. We'll see where he fits in the in the situation going forward. Gunnar Holmberg, uh, as I had a chance to talk with him, I believe Tuesday evening, uh, that he is back in North Carolina, choosing to retire. And of course, Gunnar's had a, a good career. So, you know, wish him the best of wishes going forward. Mm-hmm. Keon Jenkins, as, as you talked about, right? Lights out. That's what, uh, for anyone who saw the FIU signing day presser, we saw the gimmick where Hi. Mike back. Lights out! Lights out! Had there, you to go. Yeah. No, no, there you go, right on cue. I, I will not. Oh, I, I will not reveal the presser, the, the the FIU staffer who flipped the lights on and off. But uh, yeah, you know they they clearly Close were excited. <laughs> they, they they clearly were excited about Keon Jenkins coming in. Uh, as a matter of fact, he'll be on uh, 560. So after you listen to this podcast, you, you can catch him on 560 and 930 tonight with Larry Bluestein. Um, he's someone who comes in, brings a a clearly a lot of pedigree. I, I'll come to him in a second. I just want to finish up the answer on Grayson. Yep. You can't put the poor performances on Grayson. 
Mm -hmm. Here's why. If you take a look at the games in which Grayson struggled mightily, he didn't get any time to throw. Mm -hmm. And there wasn't much open. And the offense as a whole didn't do much. Mm -hmm. One of the biggest critiques of this offense for me is, and you have to kind of find out where that sweet spot is between the offensive line's growth and the running backs, but how much success can you expect on offense when you're consistently behind the chains? You're not on schedule. You go from first and 10 to second and nine, second and eight to third and seven. It is hard to convert those types of downs. When you talk with David Yost, he says, look, the playbook opens up a lot more when you're in manageable, right? And ideally you're staying out of third down. You're going from first to second, first to second, or first to second to first, right? Instead of first, second, third, back to first. It's hard to convert on third down. So those are all factors as well. Um, So I think Grayson has done enough. You look at all his physical attributes. You guys have been around Grayson James. You've seen him. Every bit of 6'3", 230. Like he's a big, strong-arm quarterback from the state of Texas who, quite frankly, if the transfer portal wasn't what it was now as far as teams choosing to get quarterbacks out of the portal, Grayson probably would have had more power five interest coming out of high school. Um, but I do quickly want to make this point. This isn't to start a controversy. I think it's just real, guys. we got to acknowledge mm-hmm. it. Yeah. With Kiwan Jenkins coming in, you have a hometown hero yeah. who won multiple state titles mm-hmm. and turned down a P5 offer to come to FIU. Yeah. My interest, I won't say fear or concern. My interest is what happens, A, if Kiwan does not win the job, but B, that starting quarterback, is he having to look behind his shoulder? Because I've tried to look this up. I believe the last local quarterback to sign with the Panthers was EJ Hillier. Uh, I, I'm forgetting what year that was. I, I probably was in high school. The last from the past. Holy yeah, hell. Yeah, I, I think I was in high school. EJ Hilliard signed. And EJ Hilliard, no disrespect, was not the type of highly touted local legend that Kiwan Jenkins is. Even T.Y. Hilton. FIU's never had a homegrown superstar type of high school athlete come to FIU. T.Y. Hilton, while out of Miami Springs, was a a nice recruit, someone who, okay, obviously did great things in college, but he wasn't someone who was looked at uh, on the the levels of the the great receivers come out of Miami, right, who went to P5. So I'll be definitely curious your guys' thoughts because you guys have covered FIU games. You know the majority of that section right behind the FIU bench are are parents and Mm -hmm. family members. What happens if that starter gets off to a slow start, similar to how Gunnar Holmberg got off to a slow start this year? When do the chairs start? When does Section 112 start chanting for Kiwan? That's something I think you have to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, I, I think will, you I that this guy has everything to be a starter, and he may as well win it this first season if, if he outperforms all these other guys in, in, in camp. I mean, you could definitely see it. This guy, you know, as you mentioned, Eric, he turned down a offer from Auburn. Auburn is one of the better schools out there when it comes to college football, one of the best out there. So to turn mm-hmm. that down, to come over to FIU, who isn't well-known in a different conference USA, you know, up and coming for sure. So for them to do that, you you really have to assume maybe this guy's going to have a good, good shot to get to start, at least in his first season with, with FIU. It's, it's an amazing story because just – on on paper to see this like like you said a local local kid from the south florida area who threw i want to say in, in his senior year in high school it was like 2200 yards and let me just make sure i get okay 36 touchdowns with miami central for him 
to say no to, like you said, Kevin, the big bad SEC to stay local. Not not only is that going to obviously draw a bunch of interest to FIU's program because it's a great story, just like even from an outsider looking in, the hometown kid can get a chance to stay in the hometown and be successful. It might even actually bring some fans to the stadium. It'll it'll draw attention where the money is for FIU football. So you know Scott Carr is looking at that going, this is the greatest thing I could have asked for. This is exactly what we wanted. It's it's a great it's a great story that I hope uh, translates well to on the field success for FIU because when, it's a tough question. Who is the greatest quarterback in FIU football history? And when when my first th- two thoughts are James Morgan and Max Bordenschlager, it's not great. It's not great. It's not a great thing to think about, okay? No disrespect to those guys, but, you know, we we have never even sniffed a Bryce Young-level quarterback at FIU. Could this be the guy? Maybe. He's three stars. He's shown he's got talent. But um, it's going to be an amazing story to follow for uh, the next few years. I, I will concede my bias, Jake. Uh, first and foremost, as a professional, I will concede my bias. So uh, I went to high school with who people would argue was the second best quarterback in FIU history and Alex Magoo. So mm. I, I have that bias. And then I also covered JMO. I covered James Morgan for his entire FIU career. Um, I think James Morgan did a lot. James's contributions for the program. And of course, with Butch Davis no longer being there, you know, there's yeah. not that attachment, but James did more for the program. I think people will realize, especially mm-hmm. in that 2019 year in which they qualified yeah. for the Camellia Bowl. James covered up a lot of deficiencies. Uh, that's how I'll put it nicely with that 2019 team. There's a reason why he was a fourth round pick in the NFL draft. Of course, his career, um, you know, he's kind of been in and out of the league, just got picked up by Arizona. But mm-hmm. I, I would make the argument that, that JMO um, was a very good quarterback. But to your point, um, have they had that superstar? No. I mean, obviously, the 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 most high-profile superstar in FIU history is T.Y. Hilton. So they have yeah. not had that at a quarterback level. That That is a fair assessment. But I, I got to show some love to J-Mo, of course. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, Eric, um, just to wrap up kind of the 2022 season analysis here, who were your most surprising players and most disappointing players this season? <sighs> Again, I'll I'll concede something here. I try not to do disappointments when it comes to college athletes, just because there's so many variables that come into play. Yeah. With, you know, 18 to 22 year old <laughs> players. Um, but if I had to answer the question, I I I, I don't want to sound like I'm picking on them, and this may seem like low low hanging fruit. Um, I'll be very intrigued. I won't say disappointing, but I'll be very interested to see what happens with the kicking competition next year. Um, Chase Gabriel is someone who I, I listen, I could not kick a football. What <laughs> Chase is being asked to do is not easy. Yeah. I think you can point to a clear line of demarcation. That being the central Michigan game of 2021. Um, Jake, I'm sure remembers that game. Oh yes. Oh yes. Oh no. The memories they're when, flooding in. Oh, when, when no. Chase missed the kick wide, right. Is an understatement. Um, Whew. You can point to a clear line of demarcation and say, all right, Chase has not been a very accurate kicker since then. He's got the leg. I mean, I think mm-hmm. he, he may have t- – I think he's tied Jose Borregales' record for longest field goal made in FIU history. But that's something that you, you want to see some improvement in. Um, so, again, I, I hate to use the word disappointment, but that's something I'm definitely keeping an eye on because 
it's it's been rough and you see they are now bringing a kicker this year and tyler patterson to probably push chase a little bit yeah. uh as far as you know like on the flip side of that i'm gonna give you a handful of names of course gaith and bernadell no longer here uh that's one that i was really impressed by so i'll just give you donovan manuel yeah. Mm-hmm. seeing his transition from FCS to FBS and filling that inside linebacker role was amazing. Demetrius Hill. Yeah. Someone who, uh, oh, yeah. again, you guys have seen Demetrius still got the braces, got the baby face, you know, yeah. Demetrius is all of, uh, what, 19 years old, six foot, uh, six, two, 185, 190 pounds. When he bolts into his frame, and that's going to be a player who we hope FIU can hang on to for four years, but the P5 is going to come calling. I mean, he is a very, Excellent player. Andrew Volmar, no longer here, but he was one who impressed on the offensive side of the ball. Flex Joseph. Flex is oh, yeah. when 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 the line gives Flex something to work with, all of 5'6". If Flex were 5'10", he'd be playing at the P5. And he would have been playing at the P5 out of, out of high school. That's a fact. Yeah. Um, and at the receiver position, let's show Chris Mitchell some love. Chris mm-hmm. is a guy who's battled yeah. injuries kind of throughout his career. Had like the fluky injury this year. Um in, in fall camp where ironically Gaith and Bernadelle, I, I was there that practice. I, I can't remember if you guys were there or not, Jake, you were there or not, but um, it's a tipped pass that gets intercepted and the bot pass is going, the play's going the other way, of course, in practice. And Gaithan took off Chris's head <laughs> to the point where, you know, Chris got a concussion. These Chris was pretty ticked off uh, after the play. Like, come on, dude, like run the same team, you know, um, that set him back a little bit. He, he had, you know, the ankle a little bit in practice in, in early in, in fall camp see him develop as a solid number two target. That was nice. Um, definitely want to see some more development from the line across the board, but there are plenty of bright spots overall for, for FIU, as I mentioned. Yeah. Um, let's show Dayton Montiel also love as well. You know, a local product transferred from Marshall comes to, to Cardinal Gibbons, from Cardinal Gibbons, comes to FIU, um, has the unenviable task of replacing Tommy Heatherly, who, of course, we know had a booming leg, and Dayton did a nice job as well. So those were all positives. Gotcha. So I want to Kind of transition to Mike McIntyre, the offseason now. So sure. Mac, Mac McIntyre received a contract extension. Uh, I believe now it goes to 2027, if I'm correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. What are your thoughts on the extension? <laughs> it surprised me. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, me too. Yeah. I don't have an issue with it. I, I'll say I'll say this. No one, as I think I kind of heard you say, Kevin, no one was picking FIU to win more than two games this year outside mm-hmm. of yours truly. I'll take a victory lap here. I said four. Um, kudos, kudos. Yeah, I, Good yeah, job, Eric. So in that sense, and I said it, if Mike McIntyre got this team to six wins, I thought he deserved to be coach of the year in college football, just quite frankly. Mm-hmm. So if you want to look at it from that perspective, and Scott Carr as a good faith offer is saying, hey, everything you've done, from I, I don't think Scott or Mike or anyone would mind me because I think McIntyre's actually come out and said it now, so I think I can say it publicly. Mike McIntyre turned down money in his contract to defer to assistance. He's making only seven hundred fifty grand. I say that in air quotes only, but he he could have been paid more. Um, so let's start for starter there. Starters there taking less to assemble the staff he has, which is getting veteran coordinators all the way across the board, and then assistants who have local ties. If you want to give him that going out of his way to ingratiate himself with the fans. Something Mm -hmm. that, again, no disrespect to Butch Davis, Butch was a football coach first, second, and third. Mike McIntyre is all of those things, but I think he's very cognizant of the fact that he needs to be 
the chief of FIU football. No disrespect to Katie Basin, who I think is, has the chief of staff role title, but he, he needs to be out there and be maybe the, the chief marketer, right? You know, be the face of FIU football. He, he's yeah. cognizant of that, right? So if you want to say as a good faith offer for doing all of those things in a conjunction with the four wins and now this recruiting class, which of course the extension happened prior, but you kind of see the recruiting class shaping up, you give him the, the, the extra year. Okay, that I can understand. Um, but it seemed a little soon considering his contract wasn't until 2026 anyhow. Uh, I, I could have seen waiting till next year and seeing if you get that gradual trajectory that Mike McIntyre has shown um, in his in his what stops at Colorado at San Jose State. Mm-hmm. One year, first year is that building is that that, you know, kind of growth year. That second yep. year is when you take the big leap. So I would have been fine waiting to see if that happens. But all in all, I, I don't have like a huge objection with it either. Yep. Yeah, I I agree. Um, again, bias is bias is dangerous, but I like Coach Mike. He's cool, you know. Um, every time he just wa- walks into that door for the uh, press conferences, it's like, oh damn, Mike's here finally! Thank God, this is awesome. Can't wait to hear what he says. Um, so, twenty twenty seven is is quite a, is quite far away. That's that's five years. That's five years of football for Mike. McIntyre in in South Florida. Um, so I, I wanted to ask this. I'm I'm very happy with the extension. Um, but how big was it for FIU for Scott Carr and for the athletics program to get this extension done now? Not not even when with college football season being over, to say that he is the man. He is the man with the plan. The lights out man for the next five years. Again, I mean, not to kind of rehash what I said, but that's where I think if you want to do it as a good faith offer, that's fine. How crucial to your question, Jake, how crucial was it to do it now? I don't think it was. Yeah. He would have had four seasons left on his deal. If if the extension came with a raise in pay, I'd get it. You know, you say here's because of the fact you turned down money, we want to give you some incentives. I haven't foiled the new contract yet, but from everything I was told, it's the same, just a one year extension. So how crucial was it? I don't think it was necessary. I mean, this I don't think this is a shot at Mike McIntyre. Um, P5, I don't think Mike McIntyre was in line for another head coaching gig in the near future um, when he was defensive coordinator in Memphis. That's not to say that I don't think he deserved another shot, but his tenure at Colorado didn't necessarily end the way you would have wanted to in terms of on-the-field success. You know, it didn't end the way you wanted to. So um, unless there's something that I don't know, you know, Mike McIntyre's agent is not Jimmy Sexton. If you know anything about Jimmy Sexton clients, you know that uh, <laughs> they're they're not long for where they're at. So Mike McIntyre does not have Jimmy Sexton as his agent. I want to say he's CAA, Creative uh, Creative Arts Agency. So he would have been there. But again, if you want to do it as a good faith offer, I get it. And, and I think in that sense, he probably is more than deserving of it, given the circumstances of him taking the job and what he did to invest in the program. Alex Shaw left a comment. Uh, he's watching on our Facebook. He left this comment and he said, okay, well, first he said that. He said, scholarship talk, how many do we have left? Are we going to use them on high school players or the transfer portal? God knows we need more beef. I mean, I love a good steak as much as anybody else, but that, I feel like that is definitely a question to just directly ask Mike. Hint, hint, Mike. Uh, if you're watching, hint, hint, Mike. Spots open for you on the show. But um, Mike has made, it, made, it, made a point. Um, since his first press conference, that he wants to find talent not just in the local level in high school, but through the transfer portal and through the entire country. Um, 
he's made it a definite point that he wants to find talent anywhere through any means necessary. And he also said this, Mac called me personally to renew our season tickets. What other head coach does that go, Mac? I agree. Um, the biggest eye-opening thing that I – the first eye-opening decision that Mike made that really made me go, wow, we got a coach, was – when he and the football, the the rest of the football team held that, um, I don't even know what you call it, like a press event, a few weeks before his, his before the season, when he introduced the entire coaching staff as well as the 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 AD, he was there. He answered questions from AJ Ricketts. It was broadcasted live. Oh, Eric, yeah. Eric, I believe you were there. I was, and so was I. And. That, that was just such a cool event that I've like never remembered seeing before. And it's it, it's crazy to see that to see that event happen. It's like just get hype everywhere. Um it, it was a great moment. So here there we go with Mike McIntyre. Now it is time to take a quick break, a news break, where I will go over some of the biggest stories with regarding FIU, not just in the sports, but also just university level. We got, th I got three for you today, two sports ones. First things first, uh, let me make sure I get the right notes here. FIU men's soccer player, Steven Afrifa midfielder has been drafted in the first round by sporting Kansas city in the MLS draft. The sporting Kansas city took a free with the number eight pick overall. With the MLS preseason right around the corner in early January, we are wishing Stephen good luck. He made a lot of memories with FIU men's soccer the past few years, and we wish him all the best. In addition, the Arizona Cardinals have signed former FIU quarterback James Morgan, Money James, to their practice squad. As you may or may not know, Morgan was drafted by the in the fourth round by the New York Jets in the 2020 NFL Draft, and he's kind of shifted teams this past season with the New York Jets, along with Pittsburgh, Carolina, and Indianapolis, all of which on the practice squad. But as Kyler Murray is injured for the foreseeable future, we it makes sense for the Cardinals to pick up quarterbacks where they can. And last but not least, FIU has received a $500,000 grant from the Blackstone Charitable Foundation, establishing a Blackstone launch pad at FIU. This is a program that's designed to provide students with skills, knowledge, and guidance to transform ideas into companies. The qu quote, Blackstone Launchpad will boost venture coaching for FIU student entrepreneurs, leverage existing FIU entrepreneurial and career programs for students, and create a new FIU students pitch competition linked to Launchpad's national pitch competition and quote. So if you're a young student with an idea to run a company, you, have, you now have a bit more options to go with at this wonderful college. Let's move on to the big thing, the signing class. Alrighty, signing class. So uh, 20 guys, as we've mentioned, I'm going to play the first clip from McIntyre, just kind of to describe a little bit of, of the class that, that we have here um, to discuss tonight. We signed 20 young men today, um, 15 high schoolers. Um, and of the 20 people we signed, 15 of them from the state of Florida. Eight of them are from Dade and Broward counties. Um, we said we were going to do that when we got here. Four transfers. We have one um, transfer portal, then one JUCO transfer. Um, and then, of course, we signed, we signed the best name in college football history in Rowdy Beers. Um, so we are excited about this group, um, and we're excited about what they bring. 
So there is Mike McIntyre's, I guess, initial statement from his press conference, besides the lights out moment that we saw a little earlier in the show. But very quickly, 20 players going to read them out quickly. Sorry if I botch any of the names. Christian Peterson, tight end. JT Anderson, defensive back. Preston Tom Thompson, defensive back. Jack Daly, uh, defensive lineman. Antoine Cobb, defensive back, defensive lineman. Landon Hale, defensive back. Kyle McNeil, wide receiver. Luby Maurice Jr., wide receiver. Victor Evans, defensive back. Marquez Tatum, defensive lineman. Braden Staten, tight end. Daniel Daniel Michael or Michelle, offensive lineman. Travis Burke, offensive lineman. Uh, Todrick Bruton, so that is an edge edge rusher. Mr. Clark, uh, defensive back. Jaheim Buchanan, offensive lineman. I love it. I love it. Uh, Keon Jenkins, as we talked about, um, quarterback. Jamar Holman, defensive back. And Michael Rabus, that is the final player there. Eric, just what are your thoughts on the signing class so far? 20 names, as we mentioned, 15 from the state of Florida, five uh, out of state, a couple transfers in there. That includes JT Anderson, who was a Bryant State transfer. And I believe Jack Daly was the other Bryant State transfer. So what are your thoughts on the class so far? Yeah, I cannot lie. This is a class that impressed me. I was not expecting, yeah. given the four and eight year, that they were coming off of to have this much success, particularly in South Florida. I'll quickly hit on Alex Shaw's question, you know, because I think it's one that a lot of fans will have in terms of how many scholarships are available. This one isn't a coach speak answer. It truly is fluctuating, mainly because with NIL and the transfer portal and whatnot, if a player leaves tomorrow, there's a scholarship available, right? So yeah. um, it, from what I've gathered, it's between 8 and 12 that is not a verified answer. That's just me kind of doing the math of this guy's chosen to retire. This guy's chosen to leave where I think they were at the end of the year. I don't have that verified, but it truly is. It's, it's going to fluctuate. So there's that. Um, and I'll, this will be a, a perfect segue into one of his other questions in terms of your question is what I think of the class. I was very surprised and very impressed at how they did up front in the offensive line. I thought given the amount of yep. offensive line talent they had returning, they wouldn't be as O-line heavy, but I guess it helps when you get, uh, uh, Buchanan, Jaheim Buchanan, who's 6'3", 285 already, walking in the door. You get a, a Daniel Michelle. I, I thought it's uh, Michael, it's Michelle. 6'6", ah. 270 coming in, so Daniel Michelle. And then the late one, um, Burke. Um, forgetting Burke's last, uh, first name, I think it's Travis. Travis, Travis. Travis yeah, Travis Burke uh, from Gardner-Webb. So at least you get someone who's already played college football at the FCS level. Guys, what I love the most about Burke is you saw the little video they did of all the uh, players when they signed and whatnot. Burke's yeah. head is touching the top of the ceiling because he's 6'9". You know, oh, like wow. all the other players when they come in, you know, there's all this room between the ceiling. Burke with like with his hair is touching the top of whatever room they're shooting that video in. So he's 6'9", uh, a 300 pounder. So, you know, you're getting size there. So where's the beef? That's where it is. Um, players that I'm definitely keeping an eye on, the receivers. Mm -hmm. uh, if there's one critique I'd have of the receiver room this year, not a lot of tall guys. When Randall St. Felix left the room at 6'3", that was the majority of the size. Caleb Lynham is still there, but Caleb isn't getting a ton of playing time. Tyrese Chambers, God bless him, but I've stood next to Tyrese. He, Tyrese says he's 6'1". Okay. Tyrese is, is, is five. Tyrese is 5'11 and change. Um, and Cleats is probably closer to six-footed-ish, but Tyrese is not 6'1". Uh, Chris Mitchell is closer to six-footish. So to get guys like Luby Maurice, who's a legit 6'2 uh, coming in, Big Neal, who's coming in, who's 6'2". You know, to get uh, to, to get um the kid from Memphis, um, Kevin. I, I know this wasn't on the name you just read out, but the kid from Memphis 
who um, was listed as 247. They just confirmed it. He, uh, uh, Eric Rivers is the player. Oh, yeah. I saw three that. Yeah. From Memphis. Yeah. Uh, 6-1 and change. So you're getting some taller receivers coming in. I think that helps, especially with Rivaldo Fairweather walking out the door. Now, the tight ends that came in, and I was a Not little impressive. impressed that they were able to yep. get as many quality players. Rowdy mm-hmm. Beers was just labeled a three-star recruit by 247 Sports. So if you see him listed as no stars in my story, that's an update from 247 that just came in. But him at six, six and change. Uh, Christian Pedersen, who played at, at Louisville, six four, six five and change. You know, um, you, so you're getting a ton of talent. The kid, Braden Staten from Nashville, the Nashville suburbs, 6'6". Six, six. So very impressive the size you're getting there. That was very impressive. Of course, Kiwan Jenkins, when we talked about him, that's that's the top of the class, you know. Yep. But you're also getting some good DV, good DBs. Preston Thompson was a FAU uh, commit for a while. Um, Jamari Holloman was a Colorado uh, recruit for a while, which yep. I will quickly plug the athletic. If anyone's interested, the athletic did a story on – the recruits that Dion didn't want, the players who were signed to Colorado prior to Dion's arrival, Jamari's quoted in that story. Uh, go ahead and take a look at that if you want. You know, it's a kind of a tough break when he knows a coaching change and your offer automatically goes away. But that is FIU's game. He's ready to go. Mr. Clark, someone who Larry Bluestein has raved about, said he's a body who's ready to go immediately. Uh, those guys in defensive backfield. So really overall, I, I think there's reason to be impressed by this class, again, specifically to get 20. I, I I had no doubt that they'd be able to sign 25, 30 players now that you can go over 25 with the new rules. But I didn't think they'd be able to get 20 in the early session coming off of a four and eight record. So now you've got the meteor class and you can let spring play out, see how those roster, how those position battles are going to shake out, who may leave, who may leave from other teams and then go transfer portal heavy there. So yep. I think there's reason to be impressed. Yep. Uh, I wanted to ask you, um, how does this class compare to the one from maybe last season? Um, I am a firm believer, guys, and I'm doing this without having looking at, looked at last season's class off the top of my head. I, I, can, yep. I can kind of go from memory. But I'm a firm believer that ideally, and this was a Butch Davis staple, ideally you're out recruiting yourself each class. That's no disrespect to – the players who signed last year. But ideally in any program, as you get better, especially in a rebuild, you're out recruiting the, the players from before. So the jump, the, the advantage that the players from last year's class will have is that they're, they're a year in, right? Um, yep. A lot of the players from last year, we saw them play, right? Play and or start. Mm-hmm. Donovan Manuel's part of that class. Um, Jacob Peace, you know, a lot of the, the guys who came from lower levels are all part of that class. Sam Hill, part of that class. Uh, there were some disappointments, uh, and, and I mean by that, uh, D.A.V. Hammond, of course, you know, was the highest-rated recruit, offensive line recruit, at the sign in the history of FIU football. He's back in Lakeland. He chose not to, to pursue mm-hmm. football. He's done. Um, you look at um, – uh, come on, I'm forgetting the, the – um, well, Henry Gray wasn't part of that class, but he left. But, you, you know, you had some uh, some players who, you know, from that class who aren't necessarily contributing, right? So – uh, that's something to keep an eye on. But you get guys like Wyatt, well, Wyatt Lawson's 2020. Sorry, now I'm trying to think off the top of my head of this class. But nevertheless, you, you get the point, right? Like you're getting enough of the players that Mike McIntyre brought in from last year's class were contributing. So how does it compare? I would say this. In terms of talent, on the surface talent, this class should be this class is better. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least you have a positive in that the players from last year's class stepped in and are playing significant minutes. Yeah. Yep. So you, you you talk about the talent, and 
my, my first thought when I think of FIU football right now currently is youth, is is how young this team is. And when you bring these fresh new faces uh, into this signing class, how many of these – like what percentage of these players do you think that you can see starting right away for this FIU football team? I think there are spots to be had immediately on the offensive line, mm-hmm. yeah. particularly with Julius Pierce leaving. John Bach, where's he going to fit? Is he going to be guard or center? Wyatt Lawson got a lot of those starts playing towards the end. Where's he going to fit guard or center? I think there are spots on the offensive line to be had. I think Jack Daly is going to come in immediately. That's probably one of my favorite signings from this class. No disrespect to Devon Strickland. We all love Devon. Devon is a 4-3 defensive tackle in my mind. I, I never really felt like Devon Strickland as a zero-technique defensive tackle. For listeners who may not know, I mean, you guys know this. Your techniques on defensive line, you're playing different gaps. Um, yep. When you're a, a zero-technique defensive tackle, you're, you're looking. You're essentially responsible for two gaps right over the center, like that nose guard. That, that's not Devon's strength. I always felt Devon was, was a, a different type of uh, you know 4-3 defensive tackle. Jack Daly's 6-4, 3-20. He is a space eater. He's a sizable player. He's going to step in. I'd be surprised if Jack Daly doesn't start immediately a defensive tackle. Um, I think there's room at corner with Andrew Volmar departing, with Henry Gray departing. There's definitely room at corner. Hezekiah Massey, mm-hmm. that's one from last year's class, who stepped up and got a starting role. He's, he's going to have to definitely earn that role again next year. Linebackers, one, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be filled from this class. I think they may have to go to the portal. Um, so maybe that'll be someone we see, you know, in, in the February signing day. So what percentage I, I would say, I'd, you know, just spitballing right now. And let's say of the 20 we have, because we don't know what's going to come in the fall mm-hmm. or in, in, in February. Yeah. I'd say there are about four or five guys in this class who truly just based on last year's performance, there's room for them to step in immediately and compete for a starting job. And as I said, Jack Daly, in my mind, should more or less walk in day one as a starter. At defensive tackle, yeah. I think JT Anderson should walk in and, and probably get a role at nickel. So those are two guys off the top. You yeah. you mentioned that this class was one that impressed you. So staying with that there in, t- in mind, which players specifically maybe impressed or maybe surprised you that came over to FIU besides obviously Keon Jenkins, who may have surprised everyone that he flipped his um, his commitment to Auburn to FIU? No real surprises outside of that. I mean, that was the biggest surprise for me. Uh, player, again, I would say impressed. You know, I just talk about him, Jack Daly. I mean, when you record yeah. the 160-something tackles that he's recorded as a defensive lineman, I mean, that's that's big. You know, and he's he had something like 30-something, I think it was 33 or 34 tackles for loss during his career at Bryant. When, when Alex Shaw says, where's the beef? That applies to the defensive line as well. Getting players, getting defensive linemen who can play the 3-4 scheme is huge. So that might, guys, just to, to emphasize again, that's going to open up things for Sean Peterson Jr. When yep. you have those defensive linemen on the inside who are doing their job correctly in the 3-4, that's going to open up room for Sean P to make plays on the on the edge. So there's one. Um, Luby Maurice is one I don't think we've talked about a ton. Uh, if you got a chance to see him up at Palm Beach, which I had a chance to a little bit, he's every bit of 6'2", 190. Definitely has a college football frame walking through the door. Had a deep playoff run, so he was making plays against players who, you know, are, are, are Division One football players. He's someone who I think can walk in and definitely compete for a role, uh, significant playing time in the receiver room. Christian Pedersen, 
that's another one to get someone who, you know, went cross country from California to Louisville, uh, former three-star recruit. It wouldn't shock me to see Christian step in immediately because where that tight end room is right now, I am a huge fan of Jackson McDonald. Jackson is a hell of an athlete from down there in marathon, you know, in the keys played high school quarterback played, you know, defense, a ton of different things. It was a, it's a, a long snapper and, and all these things, but to see Jackson get as much playing time as he did, that was interesting considering the fact that, you know, you have Rivaldo and, um, oh, come on. Um, uh, Josiah, they're a tight end. Josiah Miaman. Yeah. Josiah Miaman, a tight end. So I'll be interested to see, you know, does Jackson have a role? Maybe, but to, if you can get a Christian Peterson or Christian Pedersen and another one of the, those other tight ends, whether it's Rowdy Beers or, um, uh, Braden Staten come in, I think that's going to be big. So those would be the names uh, I would say probably, you know, are, are most intriguing, but Luby Maurice, especially as a receiver now with Tyrese gone, uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Um, something else that, something else that I've been noticing about this, um, signing class. Let me make sure I get my numbers. One, two, three, three tight ends. Yes. Uh, three offensive linemen. And this is the most shocking part. One, two, three, four, five defensive backs. Um, so with that said, they stacked up the offensive line and they stacked up the secondary between offense and defense. What side of the field do you think has benefited most from this signing class for the FIU Panthers? It's a great question, Jake. That's your professional. Um, <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. Benefited the most. Listen, um, the defense has pieces, young pieces, but they still need more talent. So they need need more people pushing, um, especially when you, when you lose Volmar, you lose um, Henry Gray, you lose Dorian Hall. I think that defensive backfield, I'll be very intrigued to see how some of those position battles shake out. You got to assume that D Hill's got a role, right? That's yeah. One. Yeah. CJ Christian was someone who was really starting to come on a little bit before his injury. You can't guarantee him a role, but you think he's going to play a factor. Outside of that, the rest of them, you got to think are up for grabs. Yeah. You know, so to bring in these defensive backs, I think that's huge. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I would say probably benefit the most in terms of immediate, I'd say the defense with the defensive backs. Yeah. Like I said, JT Anderson, I think, is going to step in and play uh, nickel, yeah. if not, you know, an outside, maybe an outside corner immediately. So. One last question from me, Eric. Is Rowdy Beers the greatest football name you've ever heard? Guys, I had to double check and shame on me. I missed that Rowdy Beers had, you know, some some interaction with Josh Urkel prior to earlier this week. When I first saw the name Rowdy Beers, um, I, I'm going to assume this is a, a, a PG podcast. Um, but I, for, for anyone, anyone who I know um, where you're going with this. Yeah. For any for anyone who, who you know, follow some of the, the satirical uh, Twitter accounts. Mm hmm. I had to double check and make sure this wasn't ball sack sports. I'm just being honest. I, 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 I was like, what? We all had to, man. I, 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 so, so I, I, before I triple checked it and Rowdy beers was a real person. Once I validated that easily, probably, you know, I mean, I saw there was another kid who had a great name. I can't remember his name right now. He just committed to another school, but I think Rowdy beers is, and I think he, he has a sister that's Reagan. And I can't remember what his brother's name is, but they're all our names. But he mm. was the one who got rowdy, um, just amazed. So I I knew yeah. once I tweeted that out that it was might go viral, and sure enough, 
it went viral. So. Yeah, it, it was yeah. trending on Twitter, and that's insane. The I think I want to say the last time FIU football tr- was trending on Twitter this much was unfortunately when Casey Horney was hired, and everyone was you know ha- had a field day with that. I, I will say I almost I don't forgot know, about that, Jake. Yeah, I don't know if the uh, the this was the play you're thinking of, but Central Arkansas got a commit by the name of Dude Person. Yes. Yes. Dude person. What a name. Safety dude. First name dude. Last name person. It, it seems like one of those, like when you fill out an application, that's like the default option given, like as a default, and they change it to whatever. But yeah, dude person, rowdy beers. I, I love these names. And, and like every year, there's like a a standout name that, that's brought out. And here we have a question from the chat once again. From Alex, yeah, I see. Is, yeah. is the conference schedule finalized? Uh, it, it's not finalized just yet. Um, it should be. What is it? It is December. Uh, I'd expect it to be out shortly after bowl season, but it's not mm-hmm. finalized yet. Um, any info on the twenty twenty three schedule? Uh, outside of you know, like of course you got Arkansas. You know that's going to be the big P five opponent. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing major right now. Of course, you know Florida Atlantic is not on the schedule. FAE is yeah. back on schedule twenty four. I hopefully this will you know kind of give Alex a little something. I had a conversation with Scott Carr on the record following the presser um, was today, Thursday, so yesterday. And he talked about his scheduling philosophy. And he said, look, we're looking to do one FCS opponent and have one by game each year. So essentially for Panther fans in the future, you may have been a little uh, annoyed by the fact that you didn't see as many P5 opponents. You're going to see P5 opponents in 24, 25, 26, and 27, because that is Scott Carr's philosophy. Uh, yet, remember, there's a little bit of flexibility that's lost because with FAU now being an out-of-conference opponent, now that's automatically an out-of-conference game, right? One that you would have been able to schedule for another team when they're in CUSA. Um, but to Alex's question, no. I mean, the big game for 2023 is Arkansas, but the conference yep. schedule will be finalized closer to uh, January. Mm-hmm. To there my knowledge, uh, I think there there are only three games that are like confirmed. It's the opener against Maine, the University of Maine, the Black right. Bears, right. on August thirty first. That's here in 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 Miami. Um, in September's on September sixteenth, they they travel to East Hartford to play Good the right. UConn Huskies. That's that's the uh, the rematch from the home and home that began last year. And, yeah. and and as you mentioned, Eric, the Arkansas game that's scheduled for November eighteenth in lovely Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're just under a, we're just under an hour here, Eric. It's been a blast talking to you, man. We really appreciate it. Just talking all things FIU football. It never goes out of style talking about football. It never does, no matter what time of the year it is. Since we got a bit of extra time, you 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 down to predict some NFL games with us, Eric? Yeah, let's do it. All right, Kevin, take Alrighty. over. So obviously we have to predict the best game of the week, Dolphins versus Packers. Um mm-hmm. Christmas Day game that is nationally televised. Jake, you will be there. Um, oh yes, I will. Packers are six and eight, having a down, kind of a down year, a very big down year. And the Dolphins are eight and six, fight, fighting for a playoff spot. Eric, Dolphins or Packers? I'm going with the Dolphins as as a Tampa native and a and a noted Dolphin hater for a long time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now you know what. All jokes aside, um, I, I love what Mike McDaniel's doing down there. I, I'm a Tua guy. Uh, I think Tua is the real deal. Love with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. So mm-hmm. give me the fans. And and Tua did get snubbed from the Pro Bowl, in my opinion, by the way. But it's okay. Um, I'm gonna go Dolphins. Easy. I, I mean, Aaron Rodgers maybe scares you a little bit, but besides that, I mean, Miami's just the better team right now. 
and um, you're playing under the national lights once again, uh, Christmas yeah. game. So that should be a fun one. And and you're fighting for a playoff spot. And you know, yeah, you lost huge games against Buffalo, um, Los Angeles, and then the one before that, Ooh, San Francisco, San San Fran. Yeah. I was yeah, three huge losses there. The last time Miami lost three in a row, I believe they went to they went on to win five in a row. So yeah, oh, yeah, may, maybe that'll be the start of another win streak there. Um. Yeah, I I gotta go Dolphins. Well, I I, I keep forgetting that the majority of games are gonna be on Saturday this week. That's really cool. I, like I don't know Saturday Saturday football is dope. Give me Miami. Um. I think the Dolphins have a way way more to play for than the Packers at this very moment. They have a lot to prove after three super tough losses. But I I don't know. The Dolphins played really good on against Buffalo. Albeit yeah. obviously the weather playing a part in that. Whatever they want to say, but. I got the Dolphins. I think they're going to I think they're going to win this one and carry some momentum to their to to a massive game against New England the uh, the week after. Yep. All righty. Falcons and Ravens. Eric, what do you got? The Falcons are kind of in disarray. I, I'm not going to yeah. lie. I, I haven't stopped laughing at the fact that Marcus Mariota just said I lost the job, all right, I'm going home. Like that's it's kind of hilarious to me, to be honest with you. Uh, give me Baltimore, even though they're the Lamar Jackson's injury situation. Uh, I think Baltimore has more to play for. Mm-hmm. Jake, it, it is worth noting though that it's looking more and more um, that Lamar's not going to be playing. Right? It looks right. like Tyler Huntley is going to be the man. Um, I, but I, I, I do like Huntley. I think he's probably one of the better backup quarterbacks in the NFL so far. Um, and the. Uh, Atlanta Falcons have been just the epitome of inconsistent this season. And yet somehow they still have a very, 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 very slight chance to somehow win the goddamn division to my knowledge. Um, That said uh, again, Baltimore is in a similar boat as Miami. Their games are meaning a lot more as they want to somehow get into the wild card. I'll take Baltimore in an, in a very close one. The the, The Falcons make it interesting, but Baltimore wins in the end. Yeah, I'm, I'm going. I'm going Ravens here. I think you know it's a, it's a pretty easy pick there. Mm-hmm. Alrighty, Lions and Panthers. Um, the Lions seven and seven. You know, coach Cam- coach Campbell out there just getting these guys out there. Um, you know, they're fighting for a playoff spot. They may make it. So Dan Campbell out there, um, getting these guys r- riding them all along to to what hopefully is another playoff spot. And then the Panthers kind of in the same boat as the Falcons when it comes to maybe possibly winning that division. So. Eric, who do, who do you have here between Lions and Panthers? I've got Detroit. I mean, again, playing for mm-hmm, a yeah. lot. You know, I'm, I'm old enough to remember when the Lions used to make the playoffs consistently. So I'm probably showing my age there. Um, but uh, no, I, I give me Detroit. I just think they have more to play for. Also a better team, as you mentioned, under Dan Campbell doing some things. So give me Detroit. Um, I, I believe it's still Sam Darnold starting for Carolina. And I, and I, got, I, I hate to say it, I'm just not a fan of Sam. And I'm a massive fan of Dan Campbell. And what we have seen so far from uh, Jared Goff, who I think has actually had a really great year. And arguably, maybe it's a hot take, but the in the NFC uh, Pro Bowl quarterbacks Kirk Cousins was in, I would have put Goff over Cousins. I'm not even joking. I would have done it. But yeah. um, I'll take Detroit. Yeah. Uh, Detroit, again, has a really nice shot at getting to the playoffs. And with so few games left. Every game matters, and uh, give me the Lions. I'm taking the Lions here. I mean, mm-hmm. this this team is so fun to watch, and and you know, outside of being a Dolphins fan, you have to see what Detroit's doing. It's it's impressive. Now they just mm-hmm. got their their first round back, Jamison Williams. 
who will be a big piss a big oh a big piece for them there we go um so that, that should be interesting i'm taking the lines there a, a and, bunch um, of clean sweeps so far no one has uh has stranded away from everybody else yet with these picks. I, don't, I, see, I, I don't like any underdog picks right now. So oh, okay, okay. We're, we're gonna keep it like this. Bills and Bears. I think we'll all take Bills here, but maybe this is an underdog pick for someone. Eric, you're up. Um, give me Buffalo. All right, Jake. Buffalo. All right, Buffalo. That one's a quick one. <laughs> Saints versus Browns. That that should be a fun matchup Ooh. there. Deshaun Watson playing his third game. He is two and zero as a Cleveland Brown. Um, Eric, who you got? Cleveland. Yeah, Jake. Um, there, there, there was some worry about Nick Chubb not playing in this one. However, from what I last saw, he is going to play. Um, yeah, yeah. Give me Cleveland. Uh, I still don't know how I really feel about New or- about New Orleans. I still think if the Saints want to be successful, they're going to need a quarterback of the future, and because uh, I don't really trust any of the quarterbacks they have on the team. Um, and say what you will about Deshaun, but I think I would definitely take Deshaun over Andy Dalton this point oh yeah. Uh, yeah this point in both their careers so give me the browns yeah all right i'm taking the browns as well seahawks and chiefs this is going to be a fun little mm-hmm. game here so this this may be my underdog pick who knows but eric you're up uh give me kansas city jake oh man um is this your with, underdog with, pick with very few games remaining uh, there is still a chance for Kansas City to take the number one spot away from Buffalo and get that elusive first round by. And um, the the Seahawks are no joke. They've they've had they've had they've had a tough stretch of games as of late, um, yeah. with uh, a couple of losses against Carolina and San Francisco. But they are a good team. But they're running into a wall in Kansas City, a determined Kansas City that has a lot to play for in December. So I got to go Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs here as well. Giants mm-hmm. and Vikings. Okay. Giants and Vikings. Huge game for the Giants here as they try to make the playoffs. Vikings already secured their spot, but would like to take over that division as much as they can. So, um, Eric, you're up. This might be the underdog pick. I'll take New York. Mm. All right. Jake, you're up. I love it. Good pick. Nice pick. I'm taking the New York Giants as well. They they The NFC East is still – um, a very, a very interesting division with obviously Dallas and also Washington and of course Philadelphia. Giants are a good team. Don't kid yourselves. I'm going to take New York in the upset. I am also going to take New York with my upset pick. Although wow. this isn't my big, this is not my big time upset pick. And keep in mind, you you mentioned this before, Jake. 1 p.m. Kirk Cousins is a different beast. So he's a menace. We'll see what happens there with him. Yeah, he's a menace. Bengals versus Patriots. I am taking the Patriots. Eric, who are you taking? Cincinnati. That, that, that was your big time upset, right, Kevin? New Orleans. I, t- or, I uh, said New England. I said page. I said Patriots. Yeah, I remember Patriots. Bengals. I I, I remember uh, Bengals. Okay. I, I, how, how am I gonna take the Patriots when the Dolphins need to make a playoffs, man? <laughs> that was my bad. Um, I I can't, I couldn't imagine um having to be a, a member of New England or even a fan having a reel from what the hell happened against Las Vegas la- uh Last Sunday, that was awesome. As a Dolphins fan, that was so awesome to see. Um, uh, Cincinnati, yeah. All right, Texans and Titans. This is my big upset pick. The Texans will win this game. They, I, I'll give them hope. They almost beat the Cowboys. They've been playing pretty solid as of late, although they've been losing. But uh, I'm, I'm going to take them here against the Titans. I, I just don't know why I feel like this is the team they'll beat. Eric, you're up. 
<laughs> you know what? Uh, I'll agree with you. I'll take Houston. What? Oh, great! Are we going to be a sweep, Jake? Um, l- listen, uh, Houston. I absolutely, you know, there are some teams that you can think, oh, they're way better than what their record tells you they are. I don't think Houston's one of those teams. They have, they are in a terrible spot with, with, I hate to say it, with a bunch of nobodies at quarterback. Um, But Tennessee also proved to me that the AFC South might be, um, might be won by Jacksonville in the end. It really could be, and, and I know they're playing New York, the Jets right now. Last I checked, the game was tied. I'll, I'll uh, take a look, another look, and see how that's going. But in the meantime, Go I think that um, Jacksonville can absolutely uh, take the AFC South from Tennessee, but it's not happening in this game. I'm going to go not so fast to both of you and take and go with the chalk. I'll take Tennessee, though I'm not happy about it. And a quick update, Jaguars are up 10-3 on the Jets Thursday night football. So, All right, Commanders and 49ers. Commanders really need this one. Will they do it against 49ers? I don't think so. I'm taking taking the 49ers here. Brock Purdy, the the story continues. Mm -hmm. Eric, who's your pick? Uh, Give me San Francisco. I I do not think the Commanders get the the win. Yeah. Jake? Yeah, um, I I, I have to agree. Just Brock Purdy is, is in such a great spot. You realize you, you could yeah. put like 20, maybe 20 other quarterbacks in the NFL right now, throw them in San Francisco and they're, and they're, and they're going to, they're Super Bowl contenders. Um, yeah. yeah. That said, I, I do like what I see from Brock Purdy. I think he could be a great co- quarterback for years to come. Give me the Niners. Eagles and Cowboys. Keep in mind, Gardner Minshew will be your starting quarterback this week, which is why the Eagles will fall to 13 and two. I'm taking the mm-hmm. Dallas Cowboys. Eric, yeah. you're up. I'm taking Dallas for that reason. Yeah. Garner Minshew, the uh, former Jaguars legend, the the man with the mustache. He 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 ain't he ain't gonna beat uh, Dallas. Give me the Cowboys. All right, Raiders and Steelers. This is the eight fifteen primetime game for Saturday Night Football. I'm going to take the. Ooh, I'm taking the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I just feel like I, I feel like that seems a little bit better than 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 the yeah. Steelers out here. Yeah, Eric, you're up. Give me Mike T. I'm rolling with Mike Tomlin, the Steelers. Yeah, I, I have to take the Steelers as well. There's there's a lot of meaning for this game, and, and unexpectedly too, it's it was it's the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, and they're they're going to retire Franco Harris's number, and he just he just recently passed away. I believe it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the emotions are going to be high at I'm still calling it Heinz Field, and I think the Steelers are going to play the best game that the Steelers have played this season. Give me Pittsburgh. Yep. All righty. Broncos and Rams, the battle of the 4-10 and ten teams. Is Russell Wilson still there? I mean, he's he's in, right? I thought he was concussed. No, I, 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 I don't think uh, Russ is in. Oh, he's out. Yeah, he's out. It's Brett, Brett, Brett Ripken or something. And then for the Rams, it is uh, Baker Mayfield, which is why I will take the Rams. Uh, they'll go to 5-10. and ten. Eric, you're up. Yeah, give me St. Louis. Oh, let's try this again. <laughs> give me Los Angeles. <laughs> we wish they were in St. Louis. I, I've I've done that so many times with the Chargers these last few years. I get it. Um, who would have thought that entering uh, this time before the season uh, that this matchup between Denver and Los Angeles would become the battle of mid? But it unfortunately is. Both teams are extremely disappointing. The Rams are just were de- destroyed by injuries. 
and the Broncos were destroyed by incompetence. Um, I'll take Los Angeles, though, because I, I am a big fan of Baker. He's at home. Uh, I think he'll get the job done. All righty. I believe this is your team, Eric. Bucks and Cardinals. I am taking the Buccaneers here. Tom Brady will will beat the Cardinals. And maybe we see James Morgan, former FIU Panther, take some <laughs> snaps out there if Trace McSorley goes down or just, just not perform to, to standards. I, I prefer not to have to root against J-Mo. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm scared to take the Bucks, seeing as how the season has been what it's been. But mm-hmm. I'm going with the hometown team. Give me Tampa. Jay? Yeah. Uh, it, it is worth noting the game is in Arizona. It's at uh, – it is in – uh, Arizona, but it's still Sunday night football. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the, the primetime Christmas game, but it's a, it's a trap game for Tampa. Um, it, it's definitely this screams trap game for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because it would be easy to say that Arizona is in a state of delusion and that Tampa can roll all over them. And I think they will. There, there, there was no cat. There was no catch or punchline there. I think Tampa Bay will roll here. Give me the uh, Buccaneers. And then the final game before we wrap this up, Chargers and Colts. I'm going to take the Colts. Um, just why not? Uh, I think it'll be fun. Nick Foles is at the helm uh, for, for this Monday night football game, and I'll, I'll take the Colts as an underdog pick. I think this is three underdog picks for me this this week. So, Eric, you're up. As much as I want to take the fight in Jeff Saturdays, give me L.A. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to go with Kevin here. I'm taking Indianapolis for no other reason except for the fact that it'd be really funny if they won and, and and beat the Chargers after all the hype that Herbert and the Chargers have gotten as of recently. They've been they've been on a hot streak. They obviously beat Miami a few weeks ago. But, again, it's another trap game. And uh, on these Monday night games, these primetime games, you never know what the hell is going to happen. And, uh, yeah, give me uh, Indianapolis. All right, Eric, before we go, something's – this has been like um, I've been been interested about this ever since we this show began. Behind you is your wall of passes, right? Your 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 yeah, wall of is, media credits, correct? correct? I mean, slide this. What, which am I sliding? Or I can just we'll just do this. This can. Oh, muted himself. You're muted, Eric. You're muted, Eric. You are muted. Yeah, yeah. I unplugged my uh, my podcast mic to go with the computer mic. You can't hear me, right? Yeah, 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 we hear yes, you. Yes. All right, yeah, I'll just I'll walk you guys over here. So, yes, this is this is the uh, the wall. Um, everything up through last year, I have not made a room for mm-hmm. for this year. So this is uh, everything from twenty. If I can do the camera right, twenty seventeen through twenty twenty one. So yes, those FIU credentials. That is that, that could be you one day, Kevin. That could be you. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> that is that that is absolutely so cool. I I. You, you've inspired me to want to to want to do something like that as well. Um, with all the passes I've I've racked up with FIU and uh, now with Lemon City, Eric, you've been you've been such a great guest. We can't thank you enough for joining us today, talking a bit about um, FIU football. And to to the people watching on uh, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, if you want to follow Eric Henry's work, please be sure to do so. Follow him on Twitter. I believe it is. Let me sure I make this get this right. It's Eric C Henry underscore on Twitter and be, and of course be sure to also follow underdog dynasty as well. Um, and yeah. And, and any final thoughts, Eric on uh, the state of FIU football or just FIU and conference USA in general. And now just say, thank you guys for having me on. Appreciate you having me on. We'll do it again soon. For sure. Alrighty then. Well, I speak for myself, Kevin and Eric, when we say 
have a very Merry Christmas or and or a very happy holidays. Until the yeah. next time, pause up. Pause up, pause up. <laughs>